It's time to pull those belts tight, race fans. The Front Stretch is coming at you. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Now, here's Dan Taylor and Dirk Houston. Welcome to the Front Stretch Race fans. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Online at joeskarting.com. Fast-paced white-knuckle racing just across the river on 23rd Avenue. As always, make sure you get over to Joe's Karting today and enjoy some indoor kart racing. Fast-paced, white-knuckle, adrenaline-pumping, indoor kart racing. Uh, just across the river, 23rd Avenue, Council Bluffs, right behind the Bass Pro Shops. Joining us on the phone now, well, actually joining us on the Zoom now, the marketing director for Shelby County Speedway, Chris Brown of Chris Brown Marketing Motorsports. How you doing today, bud? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're talking racing, so we uh, absolutely cannot complain. Although, give us time, uh, we'll find a way. Regular Wednesday evening. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful weather. Got to yeah. talk about the weather. Finally. Finally got some got rain. Some... Yeah. Did you guys get, uh, have you been able to check in on the track? Did you guys get some down that way, or was it mostly the Omaha area that got rain all day Monday? Uh, they did get rain. It's, we, I mean, we really needed to rain multiple times this week over there. It looks like Friday we've got another shot at it, which would be, which would be really good because that will take some of the pressure off of, um, you know, putting tens of thousands of gallons of water on that track on Friday to prepare for Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, something we've kind of been doing at Eagle for a couple of months was guess the total gallonage that Roger puts on the racetrack. And, you know, we've been 30,000 gallons to 80,000 gallons. And that's a small short track at Eagle. I can only imagine what I-80 and, and Shelby County Speedway was. But now you guys are uh, have got a much shorter track, so not nearly as much water as you would have had to put on last year. It was like 50,000 gallons last week. That's mm -hmm. what uh, Tim Plowman told me so um we have you know uh, tim that's his baby out there and um i gotta give him a shout out for just working spending so much time out there uh, learning how to get this track the way we want it um the way we need it throughout the season and uh he he's right down there in the infield watching that thing with the eagle eye all night long and really happy to have him on board uh taking care of things so it's been good well let's talk about uh shelby county speedway uh ieu have been posting the last couple of days that information about the tiny lund is coming you'll release a little bit of information as it's confirmed and locked down and trying to get the information out so i said well, let's now that stuff's kind of starting to trickle out let's recap with everybody what's going on what's locked down and then maybe a couple of the details that you guys are still looking to get firmed up for the, uh, the next tiny Lund. So September 23rd and 24th looks like. Yep. Correct. Correct. So it's a nice, it's a nice gap in everybody's schedule for us to fit in there. Now, what I would normally do, you know, where I'm from, I'd be enjoying the fall jamboree. And I know there are some, there are some folks, uh, with open mods from this area that are going to be going up to try to qualify for that. I think Jordan Grabowski is going to be heading up there and Hobshide is probably going to go up there. Um, and if they don't make it, maybe they'll come back through our way on Saturday and, and race with us. But uh, for this area, for this immediate area um, should be a, a great weekend of racing. If we can get lucky with the weather. What's your format plan since it's a two-day show? Is it two complete shows or does Friday factor into Saturday? No, it's two complete shows. Way back in the day, 
um, tiny land. They used to have uh, practice on Thursday night and then it'd be accumulated points. Um, it's been from my understanding many, many years since they have done it that way. Um, so the focus has been on just kind of restoring some of the mystique that, that the race has um, and kind of reminding people the incredible story of tiny Lund himself and what, you know, what he was able to accomplish is it will was never done really again. And, probably will never be done again in the world of modern racing. So, well, Dirk, I think you knew tiny, didn't you? No, no, <laughs> no, that was a little before my time. Just a little now bit. I, I thought, I thought you were there. <laughs> I, was going, I was going to races by then. And in all honesty, I might've seen him run at sunset for playland, but just don't remember it. Cause I was so little. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I saw my first race in 61. So, yeah. So, I mean, he died in 75 and Dan, how, how well do you guys know his biggest claim to fame? Well, I know that he raced in a Daytona 500. So here's the, here's the most amazing part about this guy's story. He pulled Being, somebody out of a fire in a crash one time. Right, right. So, so he, he'd moved down South had been racing and having some success in 1963 for the Daytona 500, he, he went to Daytona, didn't have a ride. Now, this is this is based off of my, you know, watching YouTube videos and reading and kind of catching up and educating myself on on this uh, on Tiny's career. But in 63, he was in Daytona and Marvin Panch, who was a driver for the Wood Brothers, was testing, I believe, a Maserati or a Ferrari um, uh for the 24 hours of Daytona, if I remember right. Got in a bad crash, flipped the car, started on fire. Tiny was there as a spectator, kind of walking around looking for a job. Um, so him and uh, three or four other people rushed out to the car while it was ablaze, and I mean ablaze, and flipped the car over and got him out and saved his life. Um, so... He wasn't Marvin wasn't able to race in the Daytona 500 that year. And so the Wood Brothers, as a thank you, gave Tiny um, his ride in the Wood Brothers 21, uh, which was 63 Ford Galaxy, I think, for the Daytona 500. It came down to a little bit of fuel strategy. He stretches his fuel. Everybody has to pit with a couple laps to go, five to two laps to go. And he wins the Daytona 500 as going from no ride, saving a guy's life. Um, there's, I forget the name of the medal, but the highest medal that you would, could receive from the United States government for active heroism to a citizen. Um, those gentlemen that saved his life all got that, all got that medal. Um, and then, you know, 12 years later, um, was killed in a in a pretty nasty crash in Talladega, uh, racing his own car. So, um, to think that somebody from Harlan, you know, from our area, made it up that way, and pulled that off with the Wood Brothers is crazy. Yeah. Um, and down in in that once he moved down there, anybody that was around any level of NASCAR racing in the Southeast, um, you know, described him affectionately as as um, very selfless 
uh, and kind of a prankster, just, just a really fun, jovial person to be around. So, so that's kind of where the memorial started from honoring that guy and his accomplishments. And, um, it's kind of in a, it's in a position right now where there's a lot of people that don't, don't know his story are unaware of him or are unaware that he came from Harlan um, and have heard of him. And so what we're trying to do is, is bring that story back out there and say, if you don't know why this track has hosted this event for, you know, these last few decades, um, this is, this is why. So 2025 would be the 50 year anniversary of his of his death so i think it's good to work towards that as a as a as a milestone and really have a a significant milestone race at that year but that's part of my vision in in that yeah you've been posting a lot uh, like i said kind of getting some of the details out as you can but everything you're kind of talking about and i i I think I talked about it during last week's show and and i i I really like that you're doing this you're you're very open and honest with the fans and if you're not able to get a detail out, it's because you're still working on the details. It's instead of no news, there's at least something coming out. And I think fans greatly appreciate that. Yeah. You know, we, um, there was, there's a major culture shift happening at that track. And that's, that's the biggest thing that I'm working on over there. And so probably from the time that, and Dan, you can remember if you go back on your timeline, you shared when the track shared before I was on, on board that the decision had been made to shorten the track. And there was an incredible amount of animosity towards that. And so when I came in, I had to put the message out there to say, Hey, just so nobody loses sight of this, um, the everybody involved with that track that works there and has worked there and promotes the track and donates their time for the most part to make it happen. Don't think that we're not, sad that the the way the world works now that it's better financially to reshape the track you know nobody likes to um just get rid of history right and so when we've had when we've made mistakes and things haven't gone quite right i feel that putting it out there that we recognize that this particular part of the evening didn't go quite right. We know that we're aware of that. We want you to know that we're aware of that. It has really almost completely eliminated the negative talk that's out there because you get you get a, a shift in people's mindset from thinking, well, they don't pay attention. They don't care. Mm-hmm. Well, it's more so that somebody just couldn't find the words to express it the right way. And now the effect now is if we jump out there and say, Hey, you know, uh, concessions wasn't, wasn't quite right. Or we didn't have, we're a person short in the ticket booth, or we tried something with the track didn't quite work the way we wanted. Uh, you know, we learned from that. We're moving forward. You, instead of people jumping on and saying, yeah, you guys don't know what the hell you're doing. Uh, people are like, Hey, it's okay. You're working on it. We see it. You're making improvements. You know, we're behind you. We're showing up next week. So it took about six weeks of kind of pushing back on people that were sending upset messages into, into the Facebook page and, and kind of blowing up their own personal pages and stuff to really kind of get over that hill. And since then it's been really good. 
Um, awesome. So there's something there's something to it. Yeah, people, I think people in general would rather hear an answer they don't want to hear than no answer at all. Right. Yeah, it's always tough to break bad news, but sometimes you just have to because, again, people will appreciate that something is being said. I think you guys yeah. handled the whole Mike uh, Nichols situation very well. I know that was kind of a tough situation for everybody, but all the parties involved wanted the same conclusion, which was um, to just get the information out there and, and then move on. And I, I think that a lot of other tracks would have just ignored the situation and it would have grown into something much larger than it did because you guys stepped in front of it and said, this is our side of it. Yeah. You know, I mean, Mike, um, number one from, from my photography work, Mike and I, he's always been incredibly, if you consider me an honest person and someone who's just willing to share my opinion of whatever it is, Mike's the same way to me. So there have been a lot of questions I've asked him along the way in the pits where he had no, there was no reason for him to share the level of detail he shared with me about how something works or his opinion of, of how somebody runs an operation or whatever it may be. And so, you know, I'm there, I'm shooting it. I've got an amazing picture of him um, up against the wall, crossing the finish line. And I'm split between what I would like to do with that just media wise and what's best for the track. And so we, once the season starts, um, you know, it's important to do everything that you can and it doesn't always work out that way. I get it. I'm not the race director, so it's not, these are not my calls, but you got to stay consistent through the rest of the year. And there are going to be some things that we talk about as a group collectively at the end of the year. Cause you know, there've been, there've been situations not as obvious as Mike's um, that need to get talked about, but you just don't, you don't make potential changes midstream. So we appreciate Mike sharing his opinion on it, but in an adult way, um, which he's, he can be, he was upset. We get it. There's going to be emotions. Um, but at the same time, he knows how important he is to that track in general. And the next week he was there and, you know, he's chasing that 600 wins. And for me personally, I would really like to see him get it in Harlan. So I don't want him to win in between because he's at 599 right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's over it. We're over it. And hopefully the general population that watched that kind of um, unfold a little bit, maybe there's some people that kind of learned something from that as well. But what do you do? Can't go back. Well, uh, let's come back to the tiny Lund. Uh, we were talking yeah. about that uh, September 23rd and 24th. Looks like you're going to have your IMCA late models sport compacts, hobby stocks, sport mods, stock cars, and dirt pro trucks for Friday. Uh, doesn't look like the pro trucks are coming back on Saturday. So here's the biggest news. Um, and this is a huge, huge deal for us. And we, as a group, now this is this is Doug, the promoter, myself, um, Gary Hop. I got to mention Gary. None, none of this would be possible without the time and effort Gary put into this track and performance grading, the work that they did to make this track as good and as prepared as it could be right out of the gate. And then Tim wrapping his arms around it and working on it 
and watching it like a mother hen 24 seven. So um, we wanted to set the table and be in a position to do some new things in 2023. And maybe that's not always on a Saturday. Maybe it's folded into a Saturday. We don't know yet. Um, so the dirt, the dirt trucks are not going to be with us this year. Mm. You want to bring them back next year. Cause I have a vision for what our championship night could be. I want that to be bigger, a bigger deal in 2023. So we've got sport compacts on Friday with hobbies, um, sport mods, stock cars, late models and 305 sprints. Um, Saturday will be hobbies, stock cars, uh, the um, B mods, sport mods, A mods, late models, and um, the sprints again, 305s. And then we've okay. got, we'll have a, a, a vintage show as well. Saturday is going to be big. I believe our purse last year was somewhere around I don't know, it was maybe between $35,000 and $40,000, I suppose, for the, the classes that we ran. Um, we're we're in the in the dollar range to double that this year with a major emphasis on taking that middle slice of the payout and fattening that up. And so what we want to have, what we want to provide racers is the best compelling argument that we can afford so that when they look at that payout and they're out of the normal during the normal season, we're a little farther away than they're going to travel for a weekly show, but they look at the situation and say, well, I can, if I could pull out two top 15 finishes, um, that's going to be, that's going to put me in a decent spot to pay for my gas and give me some pit passes and, and have a good time. So there's, as much as of, a, of an em emphasis as there is on restoring what the fans can expect as far as hospitality and just fun stuff to do, we want to make the drivers feel the same way. Like we're, we're not just having this memorial race as kind of a last minute cash grab at the end of the year. We, we want this to be, you know, a crown jewel event in our region. And um, we know that there are other tracks in the area on, on, you know, surrounding weekends that have their crown jewel events. If we can add to what's happening in the area and we have racers come in from a long ways away and they come and race somewhere the week before a week after us, and we help them kind of bookend an amazing racing trip to this part of the country. Um, that would be amazing. So we'll be posting the, um, I'm probably good to post the the payouts now. I haven't done it yet. What's really holding us back is more the hospitality stuff. We are we're trying to figure out a way to rent or get some additional grandstands for the pit side because we know we're going to need them. We're ironing out what's going to be available for camping um, with spots that have some utilities in the fairgrounds campground, and then what we're going to fashion in one part of what's now a much bigger pit area because the track is smaller. So it's really the hospitality things that we're ironing out. The money side of it is uh, purse wise is pretty well set. And then we'll push forward to add some sponsors that want to come forward with some, some sponsor money, bonus money, I should say. Yeah. And I, I think to your point, you talked about trying to bring back the prestige that is the tiny Lund. When I first got into dirt racing, 10 
10 years ago this season, I, I, people all like that was a staple. It was, you always went to the Cornhusker classic at IED Speedway and you always went to the tiny Lund at Shelby County Speedway. Uh, and you know, he always went to Boone super nationals. That was always a staple at the end of the season for these guys. And uh, I, I just think that, yeah, you, you're, you're right that it, it's, it's fallen off a little bit. And I love hearing that you guys are working to bring it back. Um, are you looking to take big steps this year or is it take some substantial steps and then work on some bigger things next year? Well, you know, we have, we have really been able to capture a lot of momentum with uh, attitude and energy at the track. I mean, we're over the season, we're probably up a solid hundred percent in total attendance at the track. Um, most of that is grandstand, which is, which is what we want. I hear the drivers, um, numerous drivers have, have stopped me to say, wow, come, you know, it's so great to come out of turn four and look up in the grandstands and there's people all the way across the grandstands. Like it's not, it's not wall to wall, butt to butt. You know, we had um, our lowest night was a couple of weeks ago um, when it was, you know, feels like temperature of 101 or 102. And that's a lot to ask people to come out yeah. uh, for that. But in our, in one of the most recent discussions with finalizing this purse, with all of the momentum that we've had this year, it is responsible to take calculated steps forward but this was our best opportunity to take a bigger step this year and not worry about having to take such a big step like if i look three to four years down the road if we're at 70 to seventy-five thousand dollars purse let's say i want to put us in a position that you know in three years or especially for that 50th anniversary of his of his death that we've got a hundred thousand dollar purse you know and we're not, this will take us to where that's feasible. The only thing I have thought about for years and one of the things he just mentioned, you know, the, the hot weather races. Yeah. You know, and I'm a person now, I, up until I started having my kidney issues eight years ago, hot weather didn't bother me a bit. Not at all. You know, I go out and work in it all day, whatever, you know, but now I'm that person that gets bothered by it. But one thing I never understood about the racing world, and Dan's always announcing all the beer specials whenever there's a red flag or whatever at I-80 Speedway type thing, you know, and, uh, you know, to, to help get some people into the grandstands, you know, let's throw an extra beer in the bucket that night. <laughs> you know, now the bucket doesn't have four beers or five beers in it. It's got five or six, whichever it happens to be. You know, yeah, mm -hmm. make, them, make them a special to come out and, you know, uh, there is a, so you got, so here's a fun fact. So okay. my wife, Melissa is a chiropractor and she's, she's missed take care of your body and, um, watching what we eat and, and what we consume and how we eat it and all that kind of good stuff. So there is a, there is a temperature threshold, I think, where, where a co ice cold beer is refreshing. And then there's another temperature where it is just not enjoyable. Um, so she'd be a proponent of, you know, throwing in a free bottle of water on every <laughs> four or six pack or whatever, but we definitely have those nights where, man, it's just easier to, it's just easier to stay home. And for most tracks, those types of nights, I mean, you kind of take it as a loss. Your racers are going to show up and race, but for the most part, they're, they're more likely to, 
to be bring less people with them because they just want to get through the night, get their points, try to have a good finish or win. Um, it's not going to be a party hangout night for them. And it's not really that way in the grandstands either. We find people eat a little less. Uh, they consume less alcohol. I mean, it, alcohol dehydrates you. So it's actually not, not great from a, from that standpoint, but, but yeah, yeah they're, they're, those they're, nights, those nights are tough. They're, I wish I had the budget to put in those giant Doug and I were talking. He's, he was looking at those gigantic fans that blow a mist through them. Um, we don't quite have the budget for those babies yet, but maybe someday we're getting there. Yeah. yeah but if, you, if you're sitting there and you're going to put those on the, you know, on the fence or somewhere to blow them up <laughs> into the grandstands and you turn around with a wind that's blowing the wrong way, then you're blowing the crap on the track and you definitely don't want that. So, well, but, you know, you put it, you put it the wrong way and then it's going to be like a, a mud mask for everybody's face. Those skin will yeah. look really nice the next day after they take a shower. Yeah, but they, can that night. they can wash it off with, cause they're getting fresh water in their face. They can keep their <laughs> face clean. But uh, the, the beer drinking thing, the guys that go to the races as an excuse to drink beer are going to drink beer. They do. They do. We monitor it closely. I mean, I, I look at, we look at um, the temperature, the crowd, the date, the average spend per head. If I look at the total, if there's 600 people in the grandstand and it's the difference between an 80 degree day with those same people to a hundred degree day with that same amount of people, we know that we're going to be maybe about a buck 50 less per head average of what they're going to spend on concessions. So um, I'm a person that tracks, likes tracking those types of things. So we can kind of better make decisions or forecast what's going to happen throughout the season and where we place our, you know, if we have different um, intermission activities and things like that, if they're kid related, if they're adult related, what do we put where throughout the season to have the most impact? But I want to mention, I want to mention some of the, the fan related things that are going to happen for tiny Lund outside of this crazy, uh, um, you know, races that we're going to have with the amount of, amount of cars and the amount of classes. So Friday night after the races, there's, we've traditionally had a band in the pits. We're going to have a band again. So live music, um, and we'll keep, uh, the beer stand open down there as long as we can. And I, I've been making a, a different punch drink every week that we pre-batch out and, and sell for fun. Um, Saturday morning. So here's something cool that they used to do way back in the day for the tiny Lund weekend is that they would have a race car car show around the old town square in downtown Harlan. And this yeah. has not so many people have come to me and said, you got to bring that back. And so we've been talking with uh, the folks uh, that would allow us to do that. And it sounds like we're going to be able to bring that back. So Saturday morning, we'll have uh, race cars around the square, and then they will parade back, drive back into the fairgrounds to the pits, which will be kind of cool to sit and watch. Uh, we plan on doing a cornhole tournament during the day um, and then go into our regular racing program on Saturday. And I would be remiss if I didn't talk about so last year, as you guys know, Brandon Saltzman was our track champion, um, heroically made it through the season, you know, by a thread to win the championship the last night of the regular season. And um, we we're going to honor him and his legacy as a track champion and, and as a person in general. Um, and so the 
late model portion of the show, both nights, uh, will be the Brandon Saltzman Memorial. I don't know if it'll be the the Brandon Saltzman Memorial Showdown or something like that, but um, something to honor him. We're going to have some cool things for the drivers. Every uh, crate late model that comes to register for that event for the weekend and races with us, the track is going to donate $98 in his honor um, for uh, a brain cancer-related charity. Oh, um, awesome. All the qualifiers cool. for the Saturday show will get a uh, miniature door panel of his um, as a memento. We're working on doing some cool things for the the trophies. I'm in uh, talks with a, a couple of people that can help me out with kind of bringing some, some prestige back to what we award our winners. Um, I'm sure we'll do a helmet pass in the grandstands as well to, to raise some additional money. And, and there's some money already out there that people will be putting towards various classes like many tracks do for their specials um, for various, for various random awards halfway leader, fastest lap, you know, hard charger, hard luck, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's you awesome. Know, man. Chris, we got a couple of minutes left before we yeah. uh, got to wrap it up and head over to turn number two, but um, I wanted yeah. to touch on the last two points nights for Shelby County Speedway. Looks like late models, hobby stocks and modifieds are coming down to single digit competitions for the championship. Two nights left. Kale Kaziski leading in the late models. Um, uh, Jeff Fink leading in the hobby stocks, and I saw Jacob Hobscheit leading in the modifieds. Two points nights left. We talk about this coming Saturday and then next Saturday, the 27th. So uh, a lot of great racing still to be had for your IMCA championships and um, uh, crowning those champions too. Uh, yeah, it, it's... This weekend is Eagles Landing First Responders Night at the races? Correct. So that's a big night too. Um Bounce houses for the kids um, from four to six thirty. Uh, we'll have a emergency vehicle display during that time period with um, the a life flight helicopter coming in and taking off um, for for display. We'll have the remaining vehicles uh, out, you know, doing pace laps for the features. Uh, we have got a. I'm going to do a first responder tire roll relay race at intermission. Um, it's also happens to be the Sunoco race fuels night. So that's our night that there's a $250 bonus for late models. Ooh. And we've got the wind series, which is the Western Iowa non-wing sprint cars. And we've got vintage Saturday uh, for 10 bucks. So that's Maybe a typo that we didn't go to 15. I don't know, but we're keeping it at 10 <laughs> and we're giving you all that stuff for 10 bucks. And then after the show, we've got a band. So um, yeah, it's going to wow. be a good time. It's going to be a good time on Saturday for sure. Race SCS.com for full schedule points, any announcements. And of course, make sure you uh, follow Shelby County Speedway on Facebook for all the announcements regarding the uh, Tiny Little Memorial coming up September 23rd and 24th. Anything left we've got to talk about, Chris? Uh, no, I appreciate you having me on and and kind of uh, allowing us to talk about what's going on over there. Um, we're open for business and and we want to see you. It's, it's been amazing. There, It's surprising to me how many people have stopped me in the grandstands or other people on the team to say, I was so upset 
about this change. And then at the same time, they're like, then I realized I haven't been to the track in five or seven or 10, <laughs> 10 years. And they're like, I've been here every week. And so that's, that's what gets you up, keeps you going and, and pressing forward. Well, I think you guys are doing a great job and uh, I'm definitely going to come down for at least one night of the tiny Lund, hopefully two uh, and root on some of those local uh, 305 guys. And of course, I'd love to see that Brandon Saltzman tribute. So Thank you for what you guys are doing and uh, keep up the good work. Will do you guys as well. We'll talk to you later. Have a good evening. Chris Brown of Shelby County Speedway. That's going to do it for us in turn number one. We're going to take a break. We'll come back to number two headlines and we'll get you set for the weekend of racing to come. Hang tight. Dirk and I'll be right back on the front stretch. Hey, look at that. You're sitting on your couch playing Halo, Madden or NASCAR while your friends are at Joe's Karting. Each lap is an adrenaline-filled, heart-pumping, white-knuckle experience that you can only get at the Metro's largest indoor karting track. Eco-friendly Honda engines rip you around their professionally designed road course at breakneck speeds. Can you reach the 14-second lap bracket? There's only one way to find out. Put the controller down and get to Joe's Karting, 23rd Avenue in Council Bluffs next to Quaker Steak and Lube. The official watering hole of the front stretch has you covered any day of the week with the best wings, great burgers, and amazing steaks. Each weekday from 4 to 6 is happy hour, featuring dollar off draft and well drinks plus $4 Luberitas. Mondays are kids night. Tuesdays are all-you-can-eat wings for $12.95, and the lube even delivers to the Council Bluffs area. Like Quaker Steak and Lube Council Bluffs on Facebook for a full list of weekly events. Get to Quaker Steak and Lube. Mid-America Drive, Council Bluffs. We're hooked up in turn two and still showing the green flag on the front stretch. Welcome back to the front stretch. Rolling into turn number two, presented by Quaker Steak and Lube, the official watering hole of the front stretch. Get over to Quaker Steak and Lube all week long for some amazing deals. Uh, They kick things off on Mondays with 99 cents uh, for kids to eat. Just 99 cents for kids to eat with the purchase of an adult entree. Uh, Tuesdays are dollar bone in wing nights. Wednesdays, half a rack of baby back ribs for just $13.50 or a six ounce top sirloin for $12.50. And then uh, happy hour all night long, dollar off wells and domestic beers. Thursdays, entree, sauce, and sidecar, $12. You can choose from wings, uh, planko shrimp, breaded boneless wings. Pick her up, cheeseburger, a lot of great food specials uh, basically going on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And, of course, our favorite, or at least mine, I shouldn't speak for Dirk, but my favorite day of the week at Quaker Steak and Lube is Thursdays for Classic Car Cruising. Yeah, they also, uh, don't they have a golf tournament either coming up here this week or next week? They've got their golf tournament coming up, I know. Yep, we've talked about that, and... I don't remember the date. I was thinking it was October. Oh, here we go. Friday, August 19th. So it's coming up uh, Well, tomorrow oh. when this publishes. Kid yep. tee off at 1145. So if you haven't gotten signed up yet, you could reach out to the restaurant and talk to them. You can also email them, quaker3320 at gmail.com. See if they got any spots left open. Uh, I'm reading the comments in that and says, if you got any cancellations, let me know. I can get a team put together and Quaker Steak thumbs it up. So I'm betting it's probably sold out. But it never hurts to put your name in there on the reserve list and maybe you'll be able to play some golf tomorrow for uh, Quaker Second Lube. A lot of great things going on there, too, with that um, with the golf outing. I was trying to remember they kicked things off at Quaker Steak and Lube with lunch and then went and golf for a couple hours and came back. And I think there was like a prime rib special or meats or something like that. All sorts of great food. Yep. A lot of eating along with your golf and, of course, imbibing. 
uh, I would I would imagine there'll be a couple of frosty beverages consumed on the uh, golf course there in uh, Council Bluffs. Yeah, uh, Dirk Ryan Blaney signed a long term contract with Team Penske. He will remain in the number twelve Ford for the foreseeable future. Although I'm trying to breeze through the article on Jayski, I'm not seeing the length of the contract. It just says long term contract. Well, I mean, long term, in all honesty, and and cup would probably it's going to basically be more than three years. Yeah, whether it's four years, five years, ten years. Yeah, but I'm sure if it's something like ten years, I'm sure there's plenty of buyout clauses and options and all kinds of stuff in there. So yeah, yeah, and I this is kind of a, a big risk for them. You know, it's kind of norm as far as NASCAR is concerned that. It, it requires a major sponsor announcement and that sponsor dedicating to the car for two, like you said, three years is kind of the norm nowadays with, um, you know, say FedEx resigns for three years and then Joe Gibbs racing will extend Denny Hamlin's contract for three years. Um, I can't imagine that Menards signed a long-term contract with team Penske, but maybe they did, or maybe this is just team Penske wanting to make sure they lock up a talented driver for the foreseeable future. Well, I mean, Penske's also got the deal, uh, I think it's Advanced Auto, um, where you can uh, buy parts, and they've got the deal with Shell, where him and Joey Logano do the commercials together. You buy the parts at Advanced Auto and then save save money on gas at Shell. And mm-hmm. They've just got so much stuff going on. You know, these uh, sponsor contracts are getting pretty creative, and they have to be to, to get them to come on board and keep them on board. I think that's a good sign for them. Uh, Smart deal there, and hopefully it pays out for him. I think over his career so far in Cup, I think I'm reading uh, 14 wins and 10 poles. Wow, I didn't realize he had 14 wins, but, you know, the 10 poles wouldn't surprise me, but I didn't realize he had that many wins. So, Since joining Team Penske, uh, Blaney has earned a combined 14 wins and 10 poles. Combined across both combined. cup series and xfinity series yeah combined that was the key word that's why once <laughs> you said combined i knew what it meant go bowling set to return as sponsor for eric amarola this weekend at watkins Glen. uh chase elliott is the favorite this sunday at watkins Glen, and eric amarola has said he is not focused on returning to cup series racing in 2023 yeah so there was a little speculation swirling that he may uh, reverse his retirement, pull an old, what, Tom Brady and uh, Brett Favre and decide to not retire. Oh, and a Mark Martin. And, you know, there's a lot of people that fall into that category. But uh, I'm just, you know, I look at the Go Bowling deal and Go Bowling must have decided that it's uh, either more productive or less expensive to just sponsor a car to race as opposed to sponsor a race. Yeah. As you know, they did sponsor a few races down there at Kansas Speedway. Mm-hmm. So, did you happen to see this post by Friendship Motor Speedway announcing that they are canceling the remainder of their 2022 season? Yeah, I just I saw that part of it, and I didn't read the the article though because you know I just figured it's nothing right here in our area, so I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah, it, uh, it it went from for me. I, I tried to read the entire article twice. I couldn't get through it. it. There was just way too much complaining going on. 
Uh, and I'm not really attacking the track. They kind of came out and said, um, we're not going to blame tire shortages or the economy because we've had consistent that we have had consistently some of the best car counts anywhere in the Southeast. The honest reason that we are not willing to put up with the disrespect and verbal abuse from some of the drivers, crew members, and fans uh, that have been directing towards track staff and owners. Well, uh, that's something we've talked about for a couple of years now. Yeah. I, you know, you know I just like the, the area people destroyed the track. I, I read through this and I, I, maybe they tried to do this or maybe not. I don't know, but I'm seeing a pit meeting before the races reading all of this stuff and saying, if you guys are disrespectful to the track crew, if you're trying to scam us or cheat us, we're going to kick you out. Uh, get rid of the, the 15, 20 people, maybe 30 people that are causing all the issues and, and put your foot down. I, I'm, I'm just really surprised that they're canceling the rest of their season. Well, it sounds like it's not only in the pits. It sounds like they're probably getting bashed on Facebook, just like every track around here does. Yeah. But it has, in my opinion, the stuff I see around here has slowed down a little bit. You know, it's not like it was two, three years ago or at the start of, uh, what was it? Let's see, 2020, when they were kind of lifting the pandemic rules and everybody got to start racing with limited, you know, uh, bleachers, uh, size, yeah. you know, they had what, 50% or something other bleachers and stuff like that. You know, and of course, everybody was complaining this, that, and the other thing. Uh, you know, that's probably as big a part of it as anything else. Sounds yeah, like probably. their attendance were good, but, you know, I I also doubt they were making a ton of money because I think if they were making a bunch of money, they'd have put up with the verbal abuse. Yeah, probably. You know, I mean, that's kind of comes along with the ballpark type thing. And, and maybe if they were really riding some track officials, maybe a bunch of officials quit and they had to shut down. Yeah. Maybe they don't have enough help. I you was know. just, I kind of wanted to bring that up because it, yeah, it's, I guess the reason I, I thought about it was just like you said that, you know, when you, the, the little things fans and drivers do that in the heat of the moment seem like the right thing to do or your emotions get the best of you and you do something, they have major repercussions. And racetracks for probably 10 or 15 years have had enough to deal with. Uh, social media negativity and people getting attacked on social media has really driven a lot of racetracks to to sell, to transition out. That's the way it rolls. Auto Club Speedway has begun dismantling the grandstands. They're uh, going to be converted to uh, from a two-mile track to a short track. Still haven't been able to figure out exactly the distance yet, but I've seen some posts this week that construction and changes – uh, have actually begun what well, they were supposed to begin 2019 or beginning of 2020. Yeah, it was during the pandemic, kind of when that got started, they were supposed to start doing this. And at that point, they said they were going to build a Bristol, a Bristol out West. And they kept saying they were going to use the same front straightaway. And I kept saying, well, the straightaways at Bristol are straightaways. They're not big arcs like, you know, they could build a Richmond. Yeah. They've got a big arc straightaway like that. But, I mean, that's a two-mile track, you know. I've been there. It's just like Michigan. It's a twin to Michigan. How they're going to turn that in and use much of anything into a half-mile track is beyond me. Could they make it a mile? Real easy. Could they make it, you know, another – they, they could turn it into Iowa Speedway fairly quickly. 
They could use the front straightaway, turn it into Iowa Speedway. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't have any problem with a seven eighths mile track. I mean, it's basically a little bit, little bit bigger in Richmond. Yeah, I saw the pictures where they were, you know, dismantling. It looked like they were down in the turn one grandstand, starting to tear grandstands down. The other track that's kind of been in the news that you even threw a thing out on was the rumor for Texas Motor Speedway, and I did see a little bit more of other people talking about that. But yeah, I haven't I haven't seen any legitimate sources post it, but there has been plenty of just normal people talking that they're hearing that apparently somebody at Texas Motor Speedway, somebody in the uppers, let it slip in the last week or two. They were considering redesigning the track. Yeah, and what they're going to do in their redesign, who knows? You know, are they going to shorten it, which is what they should do? Um, but it's anybody's guess where they're going. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of money in Speedway Motors, which owns PMS, that, you know, they could pretty much do what they want. They're going to try and put a road course in like Charlotte, you know? Yeah. Um, that that would be an option. I mean, that track, that track, Atlanta and Charlotte are almost, you know, carbon copies of each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I you're kind of talking about Atlanta, and I hadn't done this yet. Every time we've talked about it before, I always kind of assumed that they were basically going to take the front stretch and pit road and then modify everything behind it as their racetrack. But just looking at it, I don't see how they could possibly do that. What, what, like you've been saying for the last couple of months, it, well, actually the last couple of years, they could do something because that grassy area on the front stretch just really isn't a lot of distance. And then you got pit road, then you got pit boxes, and then you got all the pits. I mean, maybe they could redesign the road behind all of that and create some sort of mile track like you were just saying. Oh, as far, you mean for Texas? No, for Auto Club Speedway. Oh, well, yeah, that's like I said, to me, that's the only part that makes sense. Trying to go shorter than, you know, much shorter than a mile doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. I just, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, it would be great if they would. I mean, it, and like you said, they said they're making a Bristol. Bristol's not a one-mile track. No, and that's not. kind of where you're, I think you're getting a lot of, uh, your kind of point of contention with their statement is that they can't make a Bristol at this racetrack. <laughs> well, they, they can't make a Bristol using the front straightaway. Right. That's what they said they were going to do is they were going to, use the uh, current front straightaway in their design to make a Bristol on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that. You can't have a curved straightaway and call it Bristol. Bristol straightaway is straight. Yeah. And Bristol uh, yeah. really, yeah, it, just the way the track is laid out wouldn't work. And in the banking too, I did, you know the banking on the front stretch? Cause it looks like it's banked. Well, it's banked, but so is Bristol. Yeah. I mean, Bristol, you walk on the apron at Bristol, it's like walking up the turn at I-80. Mm. And the banking in the corners, yeah, it, it it's going to take a significant redesign. And I, yeah, I could see a one mile, but like you're, you've been saying it, doing a, a half a mile track is going to be a little difficult. That's pretty much does it for the news uh, for today. Anything else you uh, saw on social media that we need to make sure and talk about? Uh, I saw the penalty from last week. Uh, there was a lug nut penalty on uh, the winner in the truck race, and uh, uh, the crew chief got fined twenty five hundred bucks. And I can't even think of the crew chief's name right now, but he's been a long time guy in the truck series. And, uh, he was with RCR in the Cup series. I think he was Austin Dillon's crew chief a couple of years, but I can't can't fight his name out right now. And then there were two 
crewman that got reinstated. One, I think, was actually a hauler driver, but I mm. don't remember their names, but there was two crewmen that were reinstated back into the garage. So that's all I remember off the uh, penalty report from last week. Uh, coming up this week, I-80 Speedway is back in action on Friday with super late models, modified stock cars, bragging right late models, sport mods, hobby stocks, and compacts. I think they're down to just two nights, maybe three. No, they got two points nights left. The 19th is a points night and then championship Sunday on September 4th. And this coming Friday is kids box car night. Make a box car. It's just something you make out of boxes that is your favorite driver's car. And then we race it down the front concourse and have a good time doing it. It's really cool to see what some of these cars uh, are designed like and what they come out looking like. You could do a late model, a sport mod, a heck, you can even do a sport compact if you wanted to. But uh, kids, make sure you bring out your box cars this coming Friday at 80 Speedway. Uh, adults, $15 kids, five and under, uh, kids, six to 12, get it for five bucks. Kids, five and under, get it for free. And then next Friday, the speedway motors night at the races, make sure you go out to speedway motors or reach out to speedway motors and get yourself a free ticket to the August 26th race featuring the Malvern bank, 360 sprint cars, MSTS sprint cars, modified stock cars, bragging right, light model, sport mods, and compacts. It's a non-sanctioned night. But it's the Speedway Motors Speedy Bill Smith Memorial. Should be a big big night. That's coming up uh, the 26th. I think uh, we talked about Crawford County Speedway's done racing, right? Uh, no, but I know they always run such a short schedule. Yeah. I thought they were done like a week or two ago, but. They, uh, a lot of the uh, Iowa tracks run a shorter schedule. Especially the Friday night tracks because they know how big uh, high school football is in Iowa. Yeah. Saturday is get fired up Saturday at Eagle Raceway. Uh, school bus demolition derby after the races. I haven't seen who the drivers are that are going to be competing. But the way they determine it is the top five finishers from each one of the each one of the classes on Saturday night, last Saturday night. They all got thrown into a hat and then five drivers, possibly seven drivers were going to get pulled out of a hat and they were going to be able to do the bus demo derby. $15 for adults, kids six to 12, five bucks, kids five and under get in for free. With the weather forecast, I would suspect that front gates are going to be 515, hot laps at 530, racing action a little before 630. Uh, not probably not going to move the start time back again. Uh, looks like it's going to be beautiful weather this Saturday. I think I saw a high of 77, yep, a high uh, of 80. So it got a little bit warmer since I looked at it last week. Um, and then that's really all the ones I could find so far, but I know that most tracks are still running. We talked with uh, Chris, Chris Brown for Shelby County Speedway on Saturday night. So they're running Saturday night, but the Cup Series race this Sunday at Watkins Glen. Uh, the race is Sunday at... Three o'clock, so two o'clock our time. Yep. Stage breaks at 20, 40, and then the race ends at 90 laps. Like I said, Chase Elliott, the favorite to win. As usual, he is absolutely dominant at this racetrack. Looks like we're going to have 39 cars for 40 spots. They're going to practice and qualify on Saturday. Now, he was dominant at road courses in the other car. He hasn't been dominant at the road courses in this car. True. So. Get your but, picks in on uh, time for the Rick Havenridge Pick'ems Contest. 
for this weekend's race at Watkins Glen. That's going to do it for us. That's the one that's always crazy, these road courses, because these guys come in and pit with two laps to go before the stage, so you end up with all kinds of weirdos getting all the stage points. Yeah, and there's there's so many different pit strategies going on because they're all eyeing that that win rather than the stage. So the stage win is less important to them. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Make sure you share us up. That way we can continue to grow. If there's any topics we missed, make sure to message us. You can always message the front stretch Facebook page. You can always send us an email front stretch podcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to Dirk and myself personally on our Facebook pages and let us know that we missed something or you need to correct us on something. Boy, uh, I hope I'm trying to wrap up the show, but boy, did I get an earful from several sprint car fans for even possibly uh, saying that Donnie Schatz could be the uh, goat of sprint car racing. Well, well. I simply asked the question and people seem to have gotten very mad at me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I'm still alive and having a great time. Damn it. All right, everybody. Thanks again for listening. Uh, make sure you get out a quicker steak and lube for all the great food sites and sounds. If you need any technical support. Give me a call. Taylor computers and repair 402-659-5641. Thanks to Rick Haven Ridge. Find out what Rick can do for you today, rickhavenridgeadvice.com. And, of course, get down to quicker, get down to Joe's Carding, Carding with a K. You can always go on to joescarding.com for all the information, hours, pricing, um, restrictions, all that kind of fun stuff, joescarding.com. For Dirk Houston, I'm Dan. Those people people only attack you because you're less intimidating without your beard. That may be the truth. That may be very true. For Dirk Houston, I'm Dan Taylor. This has been The Front Stretch. Have a great weekend, everybody. Hey, guys. Dan Taylor with Tailored Computers and Repair. I've been talking about a hard drive upgrade on the podcast for quite a long time, and here's a little more detail behind it. Older laptops, older computers, maybe four or five years old, the hard drives that came with them just simply were not built for Windows 10. A new hard drive from Tailored Computers and Repair will breathe brand new life into your laptop and computer. Not only will it make it faster, but it will make your laptop battery last longer and it will run cooler, which will also help the battery last a lot longer. Not only does your computer or laptop get even faster, but all of your files, settings, pictures, everything is exactly where you left it. Within about a day, maybe two days, you're gonna get your same computer back but it's going to run faster, cooler, and the battery's going to last longer on laptops. Give me a call today, 402-659-5641. Find out what a hard drive upgrade can do for your computer and get some valuable time back. Every race car driver has run into the same problem. It's well past normal parts store closing hours, but you need that one to finish your car. The guys who brought you White Knuckle Racing by the River bring you Joe's Karting Racing Parts and Tire Store. Open until 10 p.m. Monday to Thursday and open until 11 p.m. on Friday and Saturday. A parts store that fits your after-hours schedule and you can turn a few laps at Joe's Karting while you're waiting for your part to get pulled from their warehouse. Joe'sKarting.com for more information.